Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented not only by DraftKings, but by 1-800-Flowers.com, DraftKings' official flowers for Valentine's, because we are still here, Radio Row, at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we still have our guy Greg Cosell from NFL Films on the show. Love me some Greg Cosell. I also love those of you that do any little thing to help grow the show. Listen, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be at Radio Row. We wouldn't have this great set if it weren't for you guys. So thank you to all of you that spread the word via social media. Really easy to do that. You can also just rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify means a great deal. If you do it, though, make sure you send the email to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. That way I can pick you to be a winner and send you something. I love sending you guys signed things. Same things for the sponsor confirmation email winner, right? You can be the guy that goes to WestShoreHome.com slash Ross and gets the free estimate. You can get a loved one, the best Valentine's Day gift ever, MyFrontPageStory.com, and I guarantee I will send you a signed press pass if you get your loved one, something like that. And then the YouTube shout out is always awesome. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. We'll do the YouTube shout out uh, winner tomorrow. The patron of the day. I think maybe I've been forgetting to do the patron of the day. The patron of the day is Billy Ray. Patreon.com slash RT Media. That is where you can get all of the bets that Steve Fezzik makes and me on the Even Money podcast. And also join the community of diehard listeners or people that check us out on video, whether it's DK Network or YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I can't delay. We got to get to Greg Cosell. I can't believe this is the last game we're breaking down for a while. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Greg, I'm always a little sad as we're getting ready to break down the last game of the season. However, the draft will be here before you know it. Next week, we can talk 
about the Super Bowl. And then, of course, we'll be diving into your draft series position by position, which people really, really like. So looking forward to that. Even another reason for people to make sure they're still listening or watching us all year round. We get Greg all year, and we love it. But we do have one more football game to preview, and it is a big one. It's the Chiefs. It's the Niners. Let's start, Greg, with the 49ers when they have the football. And it's interesting because I've been talking about it really the last couple weeks. I'm not sure the Chiefs' corners get enough credit. I think those guys are really good. And so I guess I'm wondering if this might be more of a Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle game in the passing game trying to go against the Chiefs linebackers. Let's start with what you're envisioning in the passing attack for the 49ers against this Chiefs defense. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Ross. Let's start with with the Chiefs D. Uh, Steve Spagnola is a big believer in playing press coverage because he understands that in this era, and this is absolutely true with the 49ers, that there's a lot of quick rhythm, quick game throws, and he does not want to give receivers free access into their routes. But the 49ers are also a team that uses motion and shifts more than uh, they're in the top three or four in the league in terms of percentage of snaps where they use shifts and motions. They get to bunch concepts. They get to stack concepts. So that's a real chess match element to this game because, as I said, Spags wants to press, but the Niners also know that. And and just motion and shifts are such a significant part of what they do. Um you talk about Kittle in particular. Um, you know, one of the things you see when you watch the Chiefs D is they play cover one. They play a lot of two-man coverage, which is man coverage with two deep safeties. And they play a lot of cover two as well. Um, those are probably the three most played coverages of the Chiefs. Um, obviously, everything is situation dependent. Um It'll be interesting who the matchup is on Kittle when they do play man coverage. Justin Reed could well be the matchup. He's he's a good uh, safety, but he's also very effective as a blitzer. That's the other part of the equation when you get to the pass game, Ross. I mean, the, we know that Steve Spagnuolo is not going to sit back. He's going to pressure. And again, all that situation specific, but Justin Reed has been a really key part of a lot of their blitz packages and has done really, really well. Um, and you know as well as I do that when you have that extra week of preparation and practice that you always add in a few tweaks and wrinkles that the opponent you know, is not really sure that you're going to do. So there's a lot here as far as the pass game. And I will say this, one final point. Brock Purdy has not played extremely well in the two playoff games. Um, he's left a lot of throws on the field. He's not seeing it with the same clarity and vision that he saw during the regular season. And that we know that the Niners offense, and we can get to the run game momentarily, but we know that the Niners offense is very much about sustaining efficiency. They don't push the ball down the field in the pass game. Their big plays in the pass game come run after catch. So they need sustaining efficiency, and Purdy needs to deliver the football when the throws are clear and defined. And he hasn't done that as well in the two playoff games as he has during the regular season. You know, that is really interesting, Greg. Um, I guess I, my question for something like that is always, why do we think that's the case? Have the Packers and Lions 
confused him? Have they shown him? Is there something about what the Packers or Lions did, Greg, that maybe contributed to Purdy not seeing it as well? Is there is there a, a uh, what did Nick Bosa say? Is there sort of a, a, a game plan now for right. defending Brock Purdy? You know, I don't think that's necessarily true, and I'll tell you why. Uh, and this is another major element of this game with the pass game versus the Chiefs D. During the course of this season, I thought one of Purdy's greatest strengths, and you can even go back to when he became a starter in 2022, one of his greatest strengths was his ability to process and decipher late coverage rotation. He's been a master at that. So it's not as if he has struggled to see things. Um, So I can't answer exactly why he hasn't been as sharp mentally through these two playoff games. But the one thing about the Chiefs, and Spags is a master at this, is he's really good with disguise and late rotation, particularly when he wants to get to cover two. Uh, But there are phenomenal examples throughout the season uh, where... Purdy did a great job of recognizing late coverage rotation and immediately knowing where to go with the football. That's been one of his core strengths. So I can't answer that specifically other than the fact that he hasn't seen it as quickly and as clearly in the two playoff games. And then what about the matchup up front, Greg? Whether it's the Niners trying to run the football or when they're in pass protection mode, against this Chiefs defensive front? Well, let's stay with the pass game first. I think what you'll see from Spags is he'll attack the right side of the 49ers offensive line. Um, Feliciano's at right guard. Colton McKibbage is the right tackle. They're not the best in one-on-one pass protection, and he'll try to create those one-on-one matchups with his front, with with his pressure looks. Uh, We know Spags is really, really good at that. Um, So that's going to be a a key factor in this game, in the pass game. But when you talk about the Niners, you have to start with the run game, and you have to defend the run game. And they have some clear staple concepts that you have to defend. They love the outside toss. It's a zone toss to the left side of their formation, where Trent Williams, the left tackle, and Aaron Banks, the left guard, become the critical pieces in in blocking. And also Kittle. I mean, we've seen Kittle, uh, we saw him just lay out Aiden Hutchinson in the NFC Championship game. We know that Kittle is a dominant blocker. Uh, The thing about the 49ers is they're not that diverse with their use of personnel. They're going to line up in 21. There'll be some snaps of 12. Obviously, they're going to play 11. Everybody does. But they're not one of those teams that just throws out a ton of different personnel packages. So now, how does Steve Spagnuolo respond to that? Is he going to play base? Is he going to try to get you know, a little more speed on the field. What what does he see the best way to defend the run game at a base personnel? Because as I said, one thing about the Niners, they work the edges as well as any team in the league in the run game. You know, one of the reasons why that is, Greg, if you toss it, Trent Williams going against that edge defender, ah. it's really hard. Well, he's obviously a phenomenal player. But it's really hard for that guy to be right because as Trent Williams attacks his outside armpit, you know, that guy's job, right, is to not get hooked, right? Because then he's responsible for the C-gap outside of the tackle, so he's not supposed to get hooked. So he's got to run with Trent Williams. He's got to stay outside of Trent Williams. Well, you get a guy running laterally, and you know he has to run laterally, 
you can time it up, Greg, so that right about when you know the back's going to come, you take that guy's momentum. He's going outside. Can't get hooked. Can't get hooked. Can't get hooked. And at the last second, you say, no problem, brother. I'm not trying to hook you anyway. And you right. toss him. You toss right. him out of the club over to the sideline, and you created a ton of space anyway. Yeah, and, and, and the other factor, as we know, particularly when they run outside, is the wide receivers do such a, an incredible job in blocking, whether they have to block a corner, depending on the, the run concept, or whether they have to block a filling safety. So they do a really good job, and that's critical to their run game. But, but you need to stop their outside run game, because as I said, they work the edges as well as any run game in the league. That's one of the things I really notice and take note of as it relates to a head coach a uh, coordinator and a position coach, how willingly do your wide receivers block? I think it says a lot about you, Greg. I really do. And I, you know, some of it's personnel dependent. We've seen Jawan Jennings. We've seen some of these guys that really get after it. Some, Some guys have that temperament more than others. But there are teams... I mean, I was so impressed by the Rams receivers blocking. Oh, yeah. Against yeah. the Detroit Lions. Puka Nakua is a bad dude, Greg. Like I, and, and someone, and maybe that's just his mindset, and maybe because he doesn't realize he's a star, he still does the grunt work. You know how that goes, Greg? Uh, I'll never forget Marty Schottenheimer said that Joe Horn was a great blocker until he caught 100 balls. Right, and that right, wasn't right. as good of a blocker <laughs> or something like that. Well, All right, let's, let's get to the other side of the ball. Yeah. But before we do... The big game's coming up. Why don't you make it easy on yourself? Order in on DoorDash. Now you can root for whoever you want to win the game or maybe your even money podcast bets while your food and drinks are on the way. That means burgers, chips, dip, soda, pizza, wings, and so much more delivered straight to your door. When the Chiefs have the football, Greg, it's interesting because a couple weeks ago, you mentioned that the Niners, before the NFC Championship game against the Lions, you mentioned the Niners had been struggling on third down. And it got a lot of attention, Greg. You know, when, when you said the Niners' defense isn't what people think it is. And then during the game, especially in the first half, when the Lions were converting all those third downs, people were like, yep, yep. My question to you is how much of it do you think is personnel how much of it is just maybe uh, maybe a, maybe a drop-off or a difference between D'Amico Ryans, what they had a year ago, and Steve Wilkes this year as a coordinator? Well, it's funny you say that about people responding because I get a lot of responses, you know, that's a hot take. And I don't do takes, Ross. I do film. So I knew from the film that the 49ers defense had been struggling. The film told me that. That wasn't an opinion. Um, but I would say... If you go back two weeks and you look at that championship game against the Lions, I would say more of that was a function of personnel. You look at those first two, three drives and the interior of the 49ers defensive line, the tackles, and they have a tackle rotation. But the interior of the defensive line, the tackles, they were getting moved off the ball, and particularly by double teams. And you know this as an offensive lineman. If you move those defensive tackles off the ball, they end up in the lap of the linebackers, and the linebackers can't flow and scrape the way they need to in order to play the run game effectively. So 
that has been a bit of an issue for the 49ers, which is surprising given the talent level. Because, you know, Hargrave's a good player. Armstead's a good player. Kinlaw has is a solid player. It's not as if they have poor players inside. Um, you know as well as I do that the run game is normally, normally, it's not sexy when you're either playing it well or you're playing it poorly. And when you're playing it poorly, it's because guys are getting moved. Now, can you do certain things? Can you start gap exchanges, shooting gaps? I mean, yes, there's always things to do, but you don't want to step too far outside of what it is that you do as a defense because that presents other issues for your defense because then other players then have to make adjustments as well, and you really don't want to get caught up in that situation. It's a really, really good point, Greg, and the reality is you have very little chance if your D tackles are getting knocked back. Right. You just like think of it logically, right? Like look at the line. I mean, you can think about like you can do like history books and talk about wars, right? Like if the middle of your line is getting knocked backwards, it's real hard to defend then. Yeah. It's like, and, and coaches will say the opposite, Greg, about like college coaches when they have a, a really good D tackle they will say he dents the line of scrimmage. Meaning he actually knocks back the offensive lineman a couple yards, and that screws up the offense to have their guy get knocked back. You know, Then you're into the backfield. Then the running back has to make the cut before they want to. Then the linebacker's free. All that stuff plays off each other, which is interesting because one of the key matchups in the game, Greg, will be the interior offensive line. Yes. Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith are really good. And really, when Tooney was available, excellent. I mean, they they had probably the best interior O-line in the league, or at least one of them. Now they'll have, it sounds like, again, Allegretti at left guard instead of Tooney. So that'll be uh, a key matchup as well. And I feel like the, uh, is it fair to say, I feel like the edge guys for the, for the Niners have to win. I feel like those yeah. guys, Chase Young and Bosa and whoever else, Cleveland Farrell, whoever else they bring in, those guys have to win against Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. Yeah, let me make two points in, in response. The, I think the best run for the Chiefs with I, Isaiah Pacheco is the gap scheme run. They feature that because that's the style runner he is. He's not necessarily a, a zone runner. Not that they never run zone and not that he's incapable of it, but he is an urgent, competitive north-south runner. And when you pull that guard, you're basically defining where he's going to go and he gets there, you know, and he runs hard. So he's more of a gap scheme runner. So it's power, counter. Those are the runs, man blocking concepts. Um, your point about the defensive ends. Now, that's true both run and pass. Um, you know, Bose is just a really good player, and, and he's got to win. Because I think everybody's going to look at this, if you look at individual matchups, at the uh, right tackle Taylor and the left tackle Smith, and feel that this is where the Niners have to win. But I will say this about Chase Young. I thought Chase Young, as as the NFC Championship game progressed, I thought he played better against the run. But he has been... Not very good at all as a pass rusher, Ross. And again, people assumed he would be, but he's been stiff. He's been upright. He has not been a very good pass rusher at all. And that has hurt them because they bring Randy Gregory in at times. He's not been very good. So really, they have one edge rusher in Bosa. 
and that forces them to do some things with their front alignments, particularly when you get to longer yardage situations and third down. They have to try to manufacture pressure, and it would not surprise me when you get into these situations if you see them pressure a little more. They're not a high-percentage blitz team, but you have to find a way to get pressure. They're very good at what we call loaded fronts, where they line up three offensive linemen, uh, three defensive linemen to one side of the center, and then they work off that. Warner becomes a big factor in that as to how he's used as a pressure player within that kind of front. So they have to find a way to to get pressure. Last one, Greg. What about when Mahomes drops back to pass? What are you expecting yeah. from the Niners' back seven, in particular against Kelsey? Yeah, uh, that'll be interesting. They're, they're not a heavy man-to-man team, but they will play some man. It, when they play cover one, I think Gibson, the safety, will match up to Kelsey, but they're more of a zone-based team. So, um, you know, I think when, when you play zone, you, you have to match. It, it's very important when you play the Chiefs, and Kelsey in particular, that you match, that you don't just deliver, that you match. Because you can't let Kelsey get into voids. I mean, it, there was one example of that in the AFC Championship game where I think Kelsey caught a 22 or 23 yarder and they ran a staple concept. They run flood. It's a three level stretch concept to one side of the field. And Mahomes and Kelsey are masters of that when it comes to zone coverage. They understand each other so well. And Kelsey sits down and Mahomes knows exactly where he's going to sit down. So you have to match Kelsey in your zone concepts, not just pass him on. Check him out on social media. He is the man. Absolutely love talking with Greg every week during this season. We will, of course, break down what he sees in the Super Bowl next week. Already looking forward to it. Check him out on social media at Greg Cosell. Greg, thank you so much for a terrific season. It's been awesome. Enjoy the game, man. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate it. Greg is awesome. I'm not sure he's as awesome as my new door, though. My new front door is absolutely incredible. Thanks to the folks at westshorehome.com slash Ross. Highly recommend you just go to that website, westshorehome.com slash Ross. First of all, you can see the two upstairs bathrooms that they remodeled, did an unbelievable job and did it in one day somehow, which is crazy. They're like ninjas. And then the front door, that was a project, and they still got it done by five. Really, really impressed with the professionalism. Plus, you guys can see, I'd be curious, actually, to get your feedback on what you thought of the old door versus the new door, which you can see, westshorehome.com slash Ross. You need windows, you need a door, or certainly if you need uh, a new shower or tub, westshorehome.com slash Ross is where it's at. Tux Takes. All right, Ross, the Chargers are hiring Jesse Minter as defensive coordinator. He's following Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, and they're bringing in Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator. Love both of these hires. You know, it's interesting. They didn't just necessarily go to with Jim Harbaugh, right? You know, uh, his son Jay went to Seattle. So it's not a situation where they knew for sure that uh, all the Michigan guys would go with Jim to the NFL. Jay elected to go somewhere else to Seattle, which I thought was really interesting. I'm not exactly sure what the deal is there or why, but maybe he wanted to get away from his dad. Maybe he felt like it'd be better for his career if he branched out a little bit. I have to imagine that there were a number of NFL teams that were really interested 
in Jesse Minter because what he did at Michigan the last couple of years, especially during the playoff run this past year, was extremely impressive. So he was pretty highly sought after guy. And then Greg Roman, remember Greg Roman, I almost forgot this, Jack, but Greg Roman was with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. So when they kind of took the league by storm with some of the design quarterback run stuff that Kaepernick was dominating with, that was Greg Roman. And they did the same thing with Lamar Jackson. So what I find interesting about that is, you know, that's kind of Greg Roman's specialty is like the run game and design quarterback runs. That's not Herbert. So Greg Roman's going to have to come up with something different. ESPN's hiring guys, some guy named Nick Saban for college uh, college game day, NFL draft, a couple other things. You know, a lot of people had been sort of predicting that for a while. Uh, but by the way, did you know that your heart attack risk can more than double when your team is playing? We're encouraging all sports fans to learn about their personal heart risk factors so they can keep their hearts in the game. Heart disease is the number one cause of death in the U.S. due to the often invisible risk factors. One in five heart attacks occur with no recognizable signs or warning. Moreover, having conditions such as diabetes or high blood pressure can increase your chance of a heart attack by up to 2x. To help educate on those risks, Bear Aspirin created the Bear Aspirin Heart Health Risk Assessment Tool. The tool quickly assesses an individual's personal risk of developing cardiovascular disease so that they can discuss their heart health risk factors with a healthcare professional as part of ongoing health management. Learn more and assess your risk factors at checkyourheartrisks.com. You know, it's interesting, Jack. Because that's like a dream job. I mean, college game day just looks so fun. And I think Saban has expressed his admiration for it a lot over the years. He, I think he wants to be in that environment. Like, that is pretty cool. You can be in your 70s and say, you know what I want to do? I want to go to a different college campus every week and have there be like 20,000 students or whatever cheering us on. Good for Saban, man. I think that's pretty awesome. And the Patriots are promoting Elliot Wolf to the head of the personnel department. Right, but we still don't know what his title will be. Uh, I've seen some reports that the Patriots might not hire a general manager. You know, sometimes I just wonder, why do they feel like they need to reinvent the wheel? Like, why do, they feel, why do the Patriots feel like they need to do something unique or different and they don't hire a GM? It just seems like they still have this mindset or belief that they do things differently or better than other people, and that has obviously not been the case. Not sure why they're not giving Elliot or anybody, for that matter, the general manager title. I am sure that we will have a couple of amazing interviews on tomorrow's show to break down the game. O-line coach and D-line coach for the teams in the game. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, Plus, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out MyFrontPageStory.com. I told you guys earlier, as long as you order one of these for Valentine's Day and send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, you're guaranteed for me to reply and send you an email. Uh, signed autograph in the mail. So like that's, if you ever wanted to have an autograph from me, I'm guaranteeing you it. If you go to myfrontpagestory.com and go ahead and get one of their stories for someone for Valentine's Day. How about backoffwithschedule.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, sportaculture, and Pizza Boy Brewing.